Hi everyone, this episode of Soap from the Box is sponsored by Podcorn. Who is that, you're asking? It's not a soap star, it's a marketplace that connects podcasters like me to sponsorship opportunities without the middleman, and we all love that. So whatever size podcast you have, you can collaborate with brands directly. It has been so easy. So if you too are looking for sponsorship, visit Podcorn now. You can find the link in my show notes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to series two of the ultimate TV podcast, Soap from the Box. We are already on week seven. I can't quite believe it. And as usual, I've got two guests for you this very Sunday. The other episode is with an Emmerdale legend, so make sure you listen to that. But my first guest is a friend and colleague. I did a play with her last year and directed her in Coronation Street, where I think at the time she was burying a body under the garage. Obviously not her, the character. So anyway, I'll shut up and let you enjoy it. My guest today is a Yorkshire lass from Hebden Bridge, but it's not Emmerdale she's best known for. She took to the cobbles in 2010 and stayed for six years playing one of my favourite characters, Kylie Platt, and not just because she was called Kylie. She's now a bona fide theatre star as well. Please welcome Paula Lane. Hi, Paula. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It's uh it's Friday, but it's so dull outside. I'm like looking out my window now going, oh, crikey. I'm I know. And it's today. also, we're recording this on my birthday. So this is like a birthday treat being with you for an hour. I know. Happy birthday. Would you like me to sing to you? Oh, no. I mean, you, it's always <laughs> it's always really embarrassing singing happy birthday, isn't it? Because it like, <laughs> takes ages to sing it. So don't worry. Saying it is great. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> and then I have to ask, I mean, being called Kylie, it must have been quite cool just being called Kylie full stop. Yeah. I know. I, d- I didn't really know how to kind of feel about that at the beginning, to be honest. I didn't know if it was a bit sort of like tacky or... I know, because yeah. you always... I mean, it probably suited the character, but I mean, Kylie's one of those names you just instantly think of Kylie Minogue, isn't it? You can't help but... Absolutely. Yeah. Now, of course, you've got Kylie Jenner as well in the mix. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, what what kind yeah. of music do you think Kylie Platt liked? What do you think she was into? She kind of liked all the dance sort of music. Like house. Yeah, definitely loved a bit of house, 100%. And I think there were quite a few scenes in the salon at the beginning where, um, you know, you'd see her sort of bopping away with the broom and <laughs> the back of and stuff. So you were introduced, or Kylie was introduced, as the tearaway half-sister of Becky McDonald. By the way, we're going to talk about Corrie, obviously, for a bit, and then we're going to talk about you. So you were, uh, yeah. she was introduced as our tearaway half-sister of Becky McDonald, played, obviously, by the amazing Catherine Kelly, and soon part of the Platt family, so wife of David Platt, and therefore working alongside the legends that are Helen Worth as Gail and Sue Nichols as Audrey. I mean, it must have been amazing and also terrifying to go into one of the biggest shows on television and then be paired with kind of some of the biggest names in the show. 100%, yeah. I mean, to be working with uh, Catherine from the off was just something else. And like her level, I remember just thinking, I don't know, it was it was sort of like a really good connection that we had anyway. We were quite similar. We had a very similar work ethic. So when I kind of had that first scene where we had that massive fight, do you remember with the plant pot and stuff? Yes, yeah. I couldn't walk for days after that. I was going to ask honestly. you about that because I read you were quite bruised and stuff. I mean, it was like really they oh, had yeah. to tone it down, didn't they, actually, for airing? Yeah, I wasn't aware that they'd managed to tone it down, to be honest. I remember it being feeling quite brutal at the time and it actually came across on screen as 
you know, it was it was fierce. Um, and like I said, we both we both don't give up. So it was like, <laughs> you yeah, know, it was like a, yeah, a war of a war of these two uh, these two sisters. And I suppose you, great, you did most of that yourself, not have stunt standings or anything. Yeah, there were no stunt standings. Yeah, we we both went uh, full throttle with that. I mean, they scene. kind of give you advice, don't they? I remember doing, like, even slaps, you get a stunt coordinator in to kind of tell you how to do it. Slaps probably a bit different because you can do it without contact. Although I know actors who've gone, just slap me, because actually... <laughs> go, go hell for leather. Go yeah. hell for leather, um, where you two did. I mean, there's, I suppose there's nothing, you know, there's, it's better to do it real, but then, as you say, you can't, it kind of takes on a life of its own. Well, 100%. And then, of course, if something goes wrong, you've then got to do it again. And again, and again, you know, if they don't quite get the shot or there's something, um, yeah, something wrong with the sound or whatever. So, of course, you're repeating it and that action. And we had quite a few fights. I had loads of fights on the street. Can you remember? Yeah, because I joined once you've been in it for a while, but you, obviously at the beginning, she was far horribler than she, obviously she kind of leveled <laughs> up a bit. But she was a proper, I mean, she was described as a gobby chab as she joined, which obviously couldn't be the yeah. more opposite from you, which I think is great as well to play a part that's so, because I remember seeing, obviously, in Kylie's makeup and earrings and stuff was totally different than your look in real life. Um, yeah. It must have been amazing to kind of go in and then just put Kylie on. Yeah, I just, I've said it in quite a lot of interviews, but I just, I wanted to make that decision from the off to make her different to me. I knew that if I wanted to keep any sort of anonymity, <laughs> if yeah. I wanted to go and like do my shop, you know, in peace and things, um, I knew that I was going to have to make a difference. And that's what I did. I, and I also wanted it for the, for the part as well. I wanted to keep it kind of fresh all the time. And the only way I could think to do that was to make her different to me because I didn't want to blur the lines. Yeah. Which um, is quite I easy wanted... to do in soap as we know, because people who play maybe characters who haven't got such a definition, you know, it's quite mm. easy, to, especially if you're in it for years and years, it's quite easy to cross over into bringing yourself in. Which, yeah. like, Because I think just a hairstyle out in public, if it's different, a lot of people don't recognise you, do they? No, and they never did. I, I I, really did manage to keep that sort of... I'd have situations where people would say, oh, can you take a picture of, um, I don't know, you know, me and Jack Shepard? And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and they just wouldn't know. Like, they'd be totally, yeah, oblivious to the fact that it was me and... I embraced that, to be honest. I, I really did quite enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And then working with Catherine, obviously, it must have been nice to have kind of, because joining Corrie or any of the big soaps, EastEnders and Emmerdale as well, I mean, I don't think people realise just the magnitude of that. So it must have been nice to have a kind of mentor there to help you who's been in that position as you were, were joining, you know, yeah. when she was younger. Yeah, hugely. I mean, Catherine trained at RADA and I trained at Central. So we both come from... Um, pretty great you know solid backgrounds of uh with our training and like I mentioned before our work ethics were quite similar she, I think she was at um a bit of a crossroads when I joined I think she'd probably just made that decision to leave to leave herself yeah she'd completed her um I think it was five years Catherine was there on Coronation Street for so I think she was at a time but nonetheless she she still gave me great advice when I was there you know I didn't feel that she was sort of she was probably really tired by that point, to be honest, because you do, you kind of get to that point, I think, when you decide to leave a, a soap, you're kind of wanting to wrap it up. But she um, she gave me so much advice and, you know, all our scenes together were just, you know, they were brilliant. Like, we just fired off each other. It was great. And I'm so grateful that I, I got the chance to work with her, you know, in that capacity. Yeah, she was one of those actors. It is a certain actors who just cut, you know, I think... Um... 
Ali who plays Carla is that level you know like there's just there's just this magic kind of on the screen do you know what I mean yeah. you, so when you went in I mean do you remember everyone says you always remember vividly your first scene and your last scene do you remember the first scene you film your first day you walk into Corrie especially because obviously when you joined we were it was back in the old place which when I joined there I was like just something about Granada TV overwhelmed you because you you could smell the history yeah I loved it there I absolutely loved it there. And I, do you know what? I believe that if it probably hadn't have moved, I might have stayed because um, from a personal point of view, like getting to work was so much easier for me when we were in the centre of Manchester. And uh, I don't know, obviously, like it, it gave so much more scope for, for the filming when we did move because it made the sets bigger and we were able to get more in the bag. But uh, yeah, I feel like it kind of, it did lose that little bit of that, like you say, it had so much history, so much magic to it. I think it did. Um, I think probably for the viewers, it probably they didn't really recognise it because you knew then you weren't on the original street as well. It just felt different, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And like when you were at the, you know, the original at, the, at Granada, you were aware that so many people had physically walked on those cobbles, you know, and you had all the stories of like people's dressing rooms and. Like, you know, was there a ghost? And yeah, it was it was authentic. It was it was the real deal there. It was. So do you remember your first scene that you filmed? I think it was in the Rovers. Oh my of god. Of all places. <laughs> yeah, of all places. Because um Becky, so many people say that, so many people say they do their first scenes in the pub. I think there must be some like a some like weird initiation that they go, right, we're gonna put a <laughs> in the pub. <laughs> just just throw her in the deep end and see if she swims or sinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure sure Faze Brooks's first scene hers was in the pub I think there must be something there because obviously you're then it's like a theatre isn't it because you're watched by all the other actors as well yeah yeah exactly it's so weird when you go onto a set like that and you've seen it all your life on the television and then all of a sudden you're just thrust into it it was bizarre bonkers. and what was it sorry what do you think it was that scene I think it was Becky basically taking Kylie home with her to give her some shelter. And uh, I'm sure I was just behind the bar nicking some nuts or something, just basically putting my feet up and having a really nice time. It was something along those lines. And had Corrie been part of like your family? Had your family watched Corrie? Like was it, because especially a Northern thing, some families it was like part and parcel of life from an early age. Yeah, massively so. Emmerdale and Coronation Street, both of them. Uh, that was our sort of family viewing. So all my family were, you know, still are massive fans of, of all the soaps, really. So they must have been, oh, my God. So, right, we're going to dive through the storylines by a little quiz I do. And yours, these questions oh, are easy, I think. I think it'll be fine. So what did Kylie ruin for Steve and Becky on her arrival? The adoption. Yes. Yeah, their adoption plans. And when it, that led to the physical fight, obviously. Um, yeah. And like we said, a really horrible kick to come in and ruin someone's adoption. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Spanner in the works. Did, so did you, you obviously knew the level of how horrible she was going to be, but it must be quite, I always think it must be quite nice playing a horrible character because, you know, it's like you get to vent all of your real life frustration, but then none of it's real when you come home <laughs> just at the end of the day. <laughs> That's quite true, actually. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, she did have a lot of issues, you know, and I, I sort of tried to find those underlying reasons why she behaved the way she did. Um, but yeah, she was she was naughty, wasn't she? Because she, she was basically, like, what was the backstory? She had come from kind of a, a was it a drug addicted mum or a, a, certainly I think, a broken yeah, family? 
Yeah, Kylie and Becky had the same mother but different fathers and there'd been some abuse along the way. I think Kylie's dad had abused Becky when she was uh, a teenager. I think that's the backstory, quite dark. Yeah, And um, I think Becky had left Kylie in care, really, and that then led to the resentment. She did, She never forgave her for that. Kylie never forgave Becky for sort of leaving her, so had this, you know, hidden, yeah, hidden resentment there and and used it really to her advantage when uh, when the adoption um, services obviously had come to Kylie, you know, to a close family and said, look, we need some background. And basically Kylie had uh, given all this information of, of, you know, about Becky. <laughs> so it's a brilliant story to go in. And then when where did David and Kylie meet? So basically, I think David had gone to Ayanapa. Yeah, on a Tenerife, holiday. Yeah, well, one of those party islands, anyway. Maybe no, maybe she'd gone to Greece the second time, and then when I came back, oh gosh, I, there were a lot. There's a lot of coming and going at the beginning when yeah, I was sort it, of it's first. Not often, um, yeah, because you were in for bits and then you would leave. But it's not often actually they introduce two a partnership that's going to happen off screen. It's quite weird that actually. Yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway, she was a table dancer, <laughs> and uh, I think he'd <laughs> they'd miraculously found each other on a holiday, and then. Um, then he brought her home, much to Gail's horror. I loved that scene when I came in and they painted me like a proper umpa lumpa. I was bright orange. <laughs> and uh, oh my gosh, yeah, I just looked in the right state. And I think the good thing about David and Kylie were they were both troubled characters. So that's partly why they really gelled together, I think. Yeah. Oh, it was such a great partnership. It was such. I mean, everything. I think they'll go down as his, in history is one of the greatest partnerships. I mean, and the partnerships within the family as well, because it did that stuff with Gail did work amazingly as well. It did, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. She was everything um, Gail would have hated. <laughs> yeah, I just remember at the beginning just having to do all these scenes, and I've not known Helen Helen Worth that long, and I remember having this. Um, was it like a jam tart or something? And um, I called her poker face, and I was there <laughs> in this. Nighty and just like basically wolfing this this jam tart, I think it was, and dancing around the living room. And you know, I mean, this was I'd watched this woman, this lady, like all my life, and then I was having to do all these scenes where I was being really uh Yeah. <laughs> and Helen's about I mean, Helen, I think it was Helen and Barbara that I was, you know, are like royalty, aren't they? And they're both lovely, and Helen's so lovely, but you kind of are so scared when you first work with them. <laughs> Because yeah. you're, I mean, even giving her direction, I was like, I can't believe I'm giving her directions. I mean, it's like this is crazy. But I mean, it must have been amazing to play because she's all the poor Helen's and Gail is always at the butt of everyone's kind of jokes and always gets some scrapes. But those things must have been amazing to play. And you soon that family bond really built up, wasn't it? I mean, I remember being on set with you guys, and it was always a laugh. It was always so great. Yeah, and it was so important to us that we had that as well. Um, you know, we'd have our dramas as well in between. Say if we had like a really long sort of like working week and we were getting a bit tired and sort of ready for the weekend. But on the whole, we were oh, we were unstoppable. Like we just used, and and we were notorious as well. Like the crew knew that if they had a flat stay, oh, they yeah. were going to get so quickly. Yeah, yeah. We just knew that we'd just plow on. Um, and you know, it, it was still going to be great. They knew they were going to get everything they they needed. But it, they just knew that we worked like, you know, yeah. We, we and you've got an crazy. amazing work ethic and so is Jack, but I think it always helps having a matriarch like Helen. You know, it's like with Barbara. If you know that they never get their lines right, it does give that pressure and that kind of aim that you just get, you, you're so on it, aren't you? 
Yeah, and I think the beauty of it was we all worked quite differently. Um, you know, Jack, he had this ability to not pick up a script until, well, I'd say probably, you probably would have had a glance at it the night before, but he was quite organic with it. He'd be able to just absorb all these lines quite quickly and then pretty much in the rehearsal, just, yeah, it just come out. Um, I was kind of, I'd map all my scenes out for the week and then obviously, you know, kind of really get it in into my head the night before. And I think Helen was like really, really prepared. She was properly on it, even to the point where I think she'd read quite a lot of the episodes in depth. So yeah, I think yeah, having them different... You read all of the episodes rather than just her scenes, which is always quite incredible with the amount of workload you have. Yeah, and I think having those different sort of, yeah, um, working tools, you know, the ways that we worked, I think that really sort of, yeah, complemented. We, we complemented each other, really. And then you and Jack's chemistry was obviously amazing. Is that kind of pure luck sometimes that there's just a chemistry? Do you know what I mean? Because obviously partnerships, I mean, I've worked with actors obviously in partnerships where there's not as much like for each other, but they still manage to put it out of the bag. But is it, is it, do you feel something great when you know you're with someone who it just sparks? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think we just had a huge amount of respect for each other. Um, we'd both come from very different, you know, drama backgrounds, but we'd both come from quite, you know, working class families. We'd worked for everything that we'd got. And uh, I think we were under no illusion that we were extremely lucky to be in a position that, that we were that Jack still is <laughs> yeah um so yeah we just yeah I think I think it did come down to respect and we knew that if we were going to make it work and work successfully then we had to obviously put in the, the word yeah. yeah yeah um yeah. okay so what caused David to almost kill half-brother Nick Tilsley oh Kylie slept with him <laughs> yes <laughs> oh Kylie, Kylie's uh, reign continues there <laughs> and I always yeah. think is it Phil when you when you hear I mean so say for that storyline did you know about that before you read the script had you been told about that or was it a shock as you kind of opened the script one day and saw that that was going to happen I think I, I, I did become aware of it you do get these things filtered down through conference as well um some of the writers are a bit more vocal than others so you will get drip fed a bit more information and we'll just, tell it, we'll just tell people listening, actually, that because we've never talked about that. So basically all this, so it's about, oh God, it's quite a few times a year, have a story conference where all the writers and the storyliners and the boss will go to a hotel, gorgeous hotel for a few days um, and basically plan out the next few months of the show. So everyone's kind of always <laughs> gagging to know what comes back from conference. But that's where all these weird and magical ideas come from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'd get um, drip fed a little bit of information here and there, which could be a bit of a hindrance sometimes because you wanted the full picture, you know, and you weren't quite sure. And then you might have ideas about what that was going to be and then it, things would be changed and at the last minute. But yeah, we had this storyline where Kylie slept with Nick and I remember having to tell Jack and his face was like <laughs> a picture. It was actually like telling my you know, my partner that I was going to That's what I was going to say. It must be like cheat. It's like cheating in real life because actually you become so aware of each other being each other's partner yeah. in the show. Yeah. And then I remember him like coming to the hotel because there was a scene where he, he came. I'm sure he had to. Like we nearly got caught or something. And, and he was like, have you done the scene yet? It was like properly. Do you know what I mean? It was properly so annoying. <laughs> 
And Ben is obviously amazing who plays Nick. But um, yeah. I mean, they've got a really good relationship as well. But talking about getting scripts and stuff, actually, someone else on the podcast made a really interesting point that I'd never thought of before about saying they actually never read scripts in advance because they were worried that they would then play it differently. Do you know what I mean? If they knew what was coming up. But are you kind of at the mindset that you're fine with that and you'd like to know kind of the long term future? Yeah, I, I was definitely one for wanting to know long term. I mean, Jack used to think I was bonkers. Like if I got a script and I had so many scenes, I was like, yes. And he was like, no, you want less scenes. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> take the money, just do the less. <laughs> but I was like, no, 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 no. I want the, um, you know, I wanted the, uh, I wanted the meat. Yeah, you want to meet the story. Because it's true on soap, actually, if you're in one scene in an episode, you kind of get the same money as you would as if you were in every scene of the episode. Exactly, yeah. So people, whenever you see someone, listeners, are ordering a pint in the pub and that's all they do. They've just got the same pay as someone who's just had a full-blown fight and an emotional episode. It's quite mad, really. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit bonkers, isn't it? But that's just the way it works. Yeah, I suppose there's no other way of working it. But yeah, I was always like you. I never wanted an easy block as a director. I was If I just had like one of those, because I always thought there were big blocks and there were kind of just those blocks that would carry things along in between mm. the big blocks, which I would always be like, oh, no. I always wanted yeah. like a wedding or a... And then you get it and you're like, oh, no, I've got a wedding. <laughs> yeah. Weddings are probably the worst, aren't they? Because they take so long. Yeah, weddings, christenings, funerals. Yeah, your big I, kind of I don't think I ever got to a funeral, actually. Or kind of a big, but my always big fear was having a big party in the pub because that was horrendous. <laughs> Getting everybody to dance in the background. Yeah. Did Kyle ever work behind the bar, by the way? Um, No. No, I don't think she I did. did. I did have some scenes behind the bar, but not, that, not in a working sort of capacity. She was... Just stealing, being, being generally. Yeah, yeah probably. Probably <laughs> stealing. I think I did pull, I might have pulled the odd pint, you know, but I was never, no, I don't think they ever saw me as that. And I'd have loved to have done that. I reckon if I'd stayed, there was no yeah, doubt. Okay, yeah, there. I think you were destined to be in the pub, actually. I think she would have yeah. been a great character in the pub. I don't think they really ever had anyone in the pub that was so troublemaking, really, I suppose. It would have been good. Um, <laughs> so then who did Kylie contact to help sustain her drug addiction later on in the show? Oh, Callum. Yes, Callum Logan, who yeah. was obviously Max's dad and played by Sean Ward. And that's my era when I was there. And he was just amazing as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Bad boy. He was such he a good bad movie, boy. Though. Yeah. You you guys had a, such a good chemistry as well with Jack in the mix as well. I just think. Um, mm. And then obviously Gemma, who got brought in as well, who was just so. Yes. And I take, actually, I take some of the credit because I went upstairs and said, you've got to make her a main cast member. And I'm not saying they did yeah. it because me, but they did because she was just brilliant as well. Was, yeah. Just, but what's it like when someone like that comes into the fold? Because you had obviously been there for years then, and Jack obviously has been there for years. Is it? Is it? Did you recognise someone else coming in and being the newbie? Do you know what I mean? Is it? it would were you guys? Is it quite hard to accept someone knowing that they've got such a big storyline with you? Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean no, because like I mentioned before with Catherine Kelly, you know, you've got to start. You have to start somewhere, and sometimes it's obviously what you gain off your peers, isn't it? It's, you're, you're really, you really are kind of like starting them out on their journey. And I think, you know, anybody else that comes in, it can really add a different flair to it. And it opens up things for your character as well, which which it did with Gemma and Kylie, definitely. 
I think that's a nice thing about soap. Someone can just come in and it just changes everything. Because obviously Kylie, she retained her character, obviously, but they, she obviously mellowed quite a bit over the years, which I think probably any character has to in a way. Do you know what I mean? To sustain being in it for that long, because otherwise you need to be sent away. <laughs> exactly. I think I think that's key. Um, and I know that when I had that quite famous scene with Helen, uh, where we were sort of sat on the on the couch and it all came out. I'd had this hard front for ages, kind of yeah. built up you know, real sort of, yeah, facade of just, you know, not letting anybody in. And then it all just kind of came spilling out over the fact that she didn't feel good enough to be his mother. And, and I knew that that was a real pinnacle scene. I knew that that was going to be a very strong turning point for her to also let the audience see a completely different side of, of her and also what I could bring to it really because although they love a baddie it does become tiresome I think if all they're watching is this person just constantly make mistakes and you know I think for for it to work um from a performance point of view you've got to give them something else yeah I always think to put the best baddies really well I've always I got told this years ago but um you need to find the heart in every character because everyone's got a heart and everyone's got reasons for doing stuff so <laughs> you have to find you know, it's not Panto, it's not just that. It can't be an I could, you know, that stereotypical just bad person there needs to be a heart yeah. there for the audience to then love, you know, you can love a baddie to bits. Um, Absolutely. You've just got to find the heart there. Because what was the audience, I mean, I, again, we've changed over the years with social media, but what was the audience reaction to Kylie when she joined? Did, did you generally think that people liked her? I mean, not liked her because she was a baddie, but, you know, she was a character that people took to their hearts. I wouldn't necessarily say they took it, took, um, her to their hearts I think they enjoyed her menacing qualities I think they quite enjoyed the you know the diff like it's like we were saying about you know you've got Becky and Steve two iconic characters and then obviously this person comes into the mix to totally upset the apple cart and I think it just gives a different a, a completely different view you know it just it just opens up um yeah it just opens up the floodgates really doesn't it for for a lot more opportunity to have dramatic scenes and things. So I think it was quite exciting. I think I just brought a different energy to it. Yeah, especially in Corrie. Am I right in thinking you did, you won a soap award as well, didn't you, in 2011 for Best Newcomer? Yeah, I did. That was at the um, TV Choice Awards. For the TV Choice Awards, which proves that obviously people were loving it because that was only a year. At that point. Yeah, it was a bit, I was a bit gutted actually because quite not about that I was really chuffed to, to win that award um I was gonna say yeah I was really annoyed that I won right <laughs> <laughs> um my I, I got um nominated for quite a few awards early on and I'd only been on the street for a few months and I got nominated for an NTA which is amazing and I know Phil Collinson was like adamant that it was going to go my way and he went to an actor who was on EastEnders and he'd been there for like you know well over a year at this point so a lot more time to sort of you know settle into to the character yeah to be established and I didn't win it and I was really gutted and I remember thinking oh if they'd just waited another year I might have stood a better chance well, but... I mean those awards are always luck of the draw because I think every so it, it takes turns with which soap wins really yeah I mean and as we know soaps go through highs and lows I think so exactly. if, if you get nominated in the year that's EastEnders have had is so it's I mean it's I don't think uh, obviously it's a reflection of talent but we as we know so it's full of talented people so I just think um it's like this year for like with Shelley 
king in Corrie. Obviously, he's been amazing and has obviously mm. kind of missed out on all the accolades because it's of... It's so weird how that happens. I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, I know that, like, obviously when I left, I remember watching the Soap Awards after and there was not one... Um, I sound really bitter now, but there was not one, like, you know, bit in the montage of the death scene. Yeah, and I remember going, I remember going, <gasps> like, people had, you know, I'd had thousands, thousands of messages and people talking about that scene and it didn't get, like, any mention at the, uh, for the following year. It was so bizarre. I don't know. I really don't know. No, well, like you said as well, because it's not just for you, it's like for the programme. I remember when I did the Queen Vic fire burning down and unfortunately we were against the Corrie tram crash. And I was like, oh, my God, of all years, do you know what I mean? <laughs> that normally the Queen Vic Bar would have swept it. And I, I was like, yeah. oh, so yeah. annoyed. I was like, to Brian, what? Yeah. Brian, Why have we done it at the same time as the tram crash? And we kind of got totally overlooked, even though it was yeah. Barbara Windsor's exit and stuff. It's so, it is just a timing thing. And we all say awards don't matter, but they so do. Because when you win, it's yeah. so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and your one probably, that one was TV Choice. That's one of the ones that's not on telly, isn't it? So it's just the... Yeah, that's the one that's not televised. How um, annoying, Paula. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never mind. I've still got my nice little trophy downstairs in my sock. Oh, well, there we go. That's fine. And you've got loads more to win. I mean, I always felt sorry for people like Michelle Keegan, who every year would win Sexiest Female, because I think there's nothing worse than winning that kind of award. Yeah, but didn't she do it so well? <laughs> she did. I mean, yeah, she she did. I think oh, when she left, girl. all the other females in every soap were like, oh, my, at least I've got a chance of winning one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and you obviously had quite a lot with Michelle as well. So another legend that you played with. But what did Kylie hit Callum over the head with when finding him attacking Sarah? A wrench. A wrench, yes. And I bring that up, obviously, because that was in the live episode. Yeah. I remember watching in the canteen. You and Jack kind of the main stars of the live episode. I mean, that must have been so exciting. Oh, gosh. Do you know what? It still gives me like... It gives me the shakes now. I get goosebumps when I think about that. Especially when you say you loved getting the meats. I mean, you couldn't get more meaty than being the no. stars of the live episode. And well, the thing was, Jack had had a migraine the day before, and oh my God. We were practicing, and he was nearly sick on me during this this scene where we were sort of looking down the the manhole, and he had to walk off. And I was like, Oh my God! If that happens on the day, like, what would we do? Like nine million people like watching. Yeah. So, of course, we were all, like, on eggshells thinking, is he going to be all right on the day? And he was. He was absolutely fine, bless him. Um, yeah, crazy. I remember. I, do you know what? It was one of them things where you couldn't actually focus on how many people were going to be watching because it would make you feel physically sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just you had think to like, just make done, sure that you were on it. You've done some live theatre, but there's nothing that can compare to Because, obviously, theatre's on a stage as well, and there's the technical aspects of doing a live soap thing as well. Because um, yeah. you, you were having to run because obviously everyone listening will probably know by now listening to podcasts that all the sets are here, there and everywhere. And the street is separate to where the studios are and all the studio sets are different. I remember the garage was built in a separate studio, wasn't it? Um, so you, were, you and Jack were just literally pelting between each set, weren't you, between scenes? Yeah. We had, um, there was one scene where I think we'd done a scene with Tina O'Brien, play Sarah. And then we had to run like the wind to get to this other set and literally we had like 20 seconds to spare and I can remember thinking you know if I stack it now 
That would be it, yeah. You must have been out of breath as well. How did you cope with getting your breath back to normal? Never mind that. I'm intrigued how they got the insurance on it because it's like, <laughs> what if? Do you know yeah, what I mean? What like, what? I know. Because <laughs> um, there was nobody running with us, let me tell you. We were all left on no, well, who, who else on the crew would have that, <laughs> would be able to run that fast? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we were a bit out of breath. Yeah, definitely. God, it was nuts. We all watched it in the canteen, the people that weren't working on on the live, and just it was just so electric because we had a huge party afterwards, didn't we, in the marquee? I can't even remember that. I don't even remember a party. Yeah, I remember. I remember standing outside with you and Jack by the benches outside, being reset, and we were having like a glass of champagne or something, and then we went into party. Oh gosh. Yeah, well, you must have been. I mean, it must have all been a bit of a blur at the end of that. Yeah. God. yeah. Did you make, there weren't any mistakes, were there? No, I don't think so. Pretty Kath, clean. I mean, Kath Tilsley said her shoe fell off as she was walking down the cobbles, but that was fine. She just ignored that. <laughs> Who was that? Kath Tilsley. She lost it. She lost it <laughs> on her high heels as she was doing one of the scenes walking down the cobbles and then pretended to still have it on. That's funny. Yeah. I remember having, I remember having a massive spot during like I was like oh you've got to be kidding me like really of all times now it's got to be when the live episodes not only are you thinking about getting everything right you're thinking about this massive friend that just arrived on <laughs> and you saying that about Jack I remember the EastEnders one which I think I've talked about before but just to tell you so Lacey Turner had lost her voice the day before the live episode mm-hmm. um, and so the runner this little he was I think he was a Spanish runner stood in for her <laughs> for the really? dress run yeah and he was like to Charlie Clements, like, do we kiss? And he's like, no, no, we don't need to kiss. Um, yeah. So when she, they had to kind of, she, so she was on voice rest for like three days before the live episode. So everything was done without her. And then then they obviously announced in the middle of the live episode, they took the cast aside to tell them who had killed Archie. And she got told she had killed Archie. She's like, oh, my God. Because then she knew it about this big screaming scene. Oh, wow. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? I just remember Lacey being so stressed because she'd lost her voice, not knowing whether her voice would come back when she opened her mouth again for the live episode. Oh, that sounds like a version of nightmares, doesn't it? I know. Can you imagine the nights before sleeping going, oh, my yeah. God, I'm going to be able to speak or will I open my mouth live on television? I mean, I'm sure oh, she would have made sure she could. But, yeah, I remember they had to put a massive train sound effect over the screen because she couldn't scream. So she looked like she was screaming. I know. Oh, my God. But, I mean, had you decided then as well that you were kind of thinking of leaving the time the live had happened? Or Because you, um, you obviously got pregnant again. You were, were you pregnant for the live? Yeah, the live happened. I wasn't quite pregnant with Penny by that point. Um, but it, I don't think it was far off. No, because um, you were then, I think it was yeah, the end, of, end yeah. of 2015. And then you, it was announced you were leaving in February 2016. In July, it it was confirmed that Kylie would die. Now you obviously made the decision to leave, but did you did you ask to be killed off, or was that kind of made for you? No, that was made for me. Um, oh, it was so weird. Like it was. I was kind of at the point where I was supposed to be signing a new contract and stuff, and then I was also pregnant. I mean, it was just like, oh, what? How are we going to get through this? And I also felt, obviously, like very strongly that I wanted to go by this point. But I was kind of up for maybe like, you know, having Penny and then coming back for a bit and then going again. And obviously that's in an ideal world. 
Um, but I think they just felt like it sort of muddied the water a little bit and they came to the conclusion that they wanted like a clean a clean exit. They almost wanted to free the family, I think. Yeah. Of yeah. this demon that was Callum. And, you know, and it was a decision that was made. I mean, I don't think it was um, across the board. I think they were quite split. The writers were very torn um, by all accounts what they wanted to do. And it was Stuart Blackburn that made the call, who was the producer at the time, that sort of said, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna kill her off basically. And I was so shocked. I was heartbroken. I was really shocked, but at the same time I understood that, you know, it's not a decision that I that I'd taken lightly and I knew that well that was that, you know. But yeah. I was, I remember thinking I really didn't see that coming. And I guess for the audience they probably probably would have been equally shocked. Well I because think I mean, she was as, such a stable corrupt. As we know, that's, you know, some of the reason is because they obviously need those big shock deaths. Um, but I think it is really hard because it must take how long? I mean, it must take you ages to come to that realisation. And I think it's so hard now because, again, so many actors will go, oh, it's, I mean, I, I do think actors probably say this to keep themselves upbeat about it because they go, you know, it does close the door. So it's fresh, which I suppose is quite nice that you've not got in the back of your mind, I could still go back to mm-hmm. Corrie. Do you know what I mean? That you have, to, you have to close the door yourself as well. But the nice thing about keeping a character is that years later, as we've seen, like with Kim Tate and Emmerdale and so many people, yeah. you know, it's great to have this stable of people to bring back. So I do always think it's a real shame to kill anyone that's worked so well in a show. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. It is, yeah. Um, but you see... Yes, of course, you can have it, you know, you can sort of be in the mind of, yeah, it closes the door and, and that's that. But let me tell you, I have so many people still now that are like, oh, I loved her. People just get really angry about it, actually. I'm just like, well, I don't know why they did that, but they did. And um, like you said, it wasn't even like a clip in the soap boards. And that's what I mean, a death in the end is just one episode. You know I mean, I know it can spiral for all characters there, but in the end, no one wants to watch a show where people are grieving. So everyone obviously gets over grief quite quickly in so because no mm-hmm. one wants to watch someone grieving for, you know, like in real life, you might close yourself off for a year. You know, that'd be really boring yeah, to watch. Okay. So, yeah. you know, in soap, it's going to be quite quick because obviously Jack's character was quite quick to get with someone else, which as again, must, mm-hmm. as an actor watching it, must be quite like watching your real life partner get with someone else. Yeah, it was weird. I remember because, you know, we, we are still in contact, Jack and I. But I remember he was very much keeping me in, in the loop um, about what was happening. And I was like, oh, right, okay. He's, he's sort of getting with somebody else. And then not only that, it was the mother of the lad that had killed me, which was like, what? What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, it, it is absolutely fine. I didn't, you know, it moves on. It's a massive machine. Yeah, you know, totally. It's yeah. than anything. And the quickly, you know, the quicker you realise that, it's it is what it is and it has to be like that to survive yeah no it does i mean there's nothing there's no one or no story bigger than the street or the square or um i never know what to say for emmerdale actually because it's not the farm like the village the village That was Corrie, which was amazing and well done because Kylie was brilliant. So we'll go on to you. So as you said, you went to the very prestigious Central School of Speech and Drama in London, graduating with a first class honours degree, no less. Um, <laughs> amazing to have gone there. I mean, did you apply for different places? I did, yeah. I didn't get in the first year. 
um, I had like one recall for RADA, which was totally bonkers because wow. I didn't get recalled for anywhere else. I was like, well, what are they seeing that the others aren't? Wow, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it does play havoc with your mind. And then I worked, I was with Tom, my husband, then. Can you believe it? All them years ago. Oh, wow. And um, Tom, obviously, and that people would know because he's he's a regular. Well, I remember working with him as a policeman in Emmerdale and he still does that part, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. There. yeah. So that's Tom, so, Joey, your husband. Yeah, so he got into Lambda, you know, typically. First year <laughs> of trying, off he went. So we did the whole long distance thing. And then I got into Central. I've not tried for Central um, during my first round of auditions. So I thought, well, I'll give that one a whirl. And I got in and I couldn't believe it because it was like four rounds. I mean, gosh. Wow. Like, so it's yeah, basically like the X Factor, really. Yeah. Well, you were sat there, first round of auditions in the theatre, and they go, okay, you see these first two rows here. And you had like, you know, a good like, what, 20, 30 rows behind you. And they were like, yeah, so you will probably all work. And the rest of you, yeah, bye bye. We'll work. Oh, my work. God. That, that's how kind of cutthroat it was. And I remember sat there thinking, well, it's going to be me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be one of those that's gonna work, and I think I had to have that. I don't have that now. I don't have that confidence. It's, that it's hard to maintain. I mean, anyone listening who wants to act, I've always said, you really need to want it at the first, because otherwise, yeah. don't go for it. Because yeah. it's not a career that's easy. It's never gonna build your confidence. You're always gonna, as I always say, there's no other job like me, for instance. You would, I wouldn't go back to being a runner, but I, I think of actors like you can go from Corrie and then have to go to. Well, loads of people to go to soap and then take a not you know a normal job, um, which I think is always really hard mentally because it's what you want to do. But there's never this kind of course that keeps you going and getting higher and more successful, is there? No, no. You're confident. It takes a massive hit. It does. You know, um, any actual you know director writer it yeah. doesn't take much. It doesn't take much at all for that to uh, to start to spiral really. So you have to keep yourself in check all the time which is really really tough it is really tough and it's more good, about that sometimes than doing the actual job I think yeah I think I mean it's important to bring up for mental health because I think it is one of those careers that's very hard on your mental health I mean I we both know in both jobs that there's a million people doing these jobs as well so it's very hard to land a job um and I always say to actors like in auditions it's not like you're auditioning or screen testing with six other people that are not very good. You're auditioning with six other people that are brilliant as well. Um, and often, like in soap auditions, I know, you know, you would pick, they were, everyone would be as good as each other. So you sometimes went down to kind of like, well, should we go for the one with blonde hair? Because we haven't got many blonde haired girls in the show. And literally it can be that cutthroat, which is so hard. But, you know, as a director, you've got nothing else to go on because they're all brilliant. Yeah. So, but from the actor's point of view, when you're on the receiving end of that and you're oh, like, oh, they went to the girl that was yeah. like, you know, had a smaller nose or whatever. But oh, I tell you what, I'm watching at the minute, I'm watching um, Call My Agent on Netflix. Oh, oh what's that? I need so to watch good. that. Right, I'm going to write that down now. Call, the, call, call my, my agent. agent. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is it very truthful? Like extras is, I think extras, Ricky Gervais' extras is very yeah. truthful of what extras go through. I don't know. I just, it, I, during this period of time where we're going through this whole sort of like lockdown, it does make me feel like I'm kind of still very much involved with the industry and it's just phenomenal. There's so much comedy there and obviously it's French so that you there's quite like, it's really quirky, but it's right, okay. really like, elegant. I don't know, it's got a real twist to it. It's fabulous. And is it, when you watch, like, who would you say, I mean, we're going off course back in your history, but is there, like, because Catherine Kelly's obviously done amazingly, Saran Jones, 
I mean, what's your course? Because you said like you you managed to stay a bit under the radar when you're playing Carly because of the look being very different. And what I find quite tricky with acting is obviously, in a way, to become more successful, you become more famous, and then you've got the whole fame thing to go alongside it. Do you know what I mean? So, is what's your opinion of kind of that? I mean, you're not a person that strikes me as wanting to be really famous and like not being able to go to the corner shop. But then obviously that, like say Jenna Coleman, it comes part and parcel of them being more successful on telly do you know what I mean it's a weird thing isn't it yeah I don't know I think it's very personal I guess it depends on your comfort zone you know how far you want to go I got a taste of it quite quickly um and you managed it as well which is a great thing do you know what I mean you know what it's like yeah I mean don't get me wrong I've, I've definitely dipped my toe into it I mean I you know we did pictures of Penny when she was a baby um I didn't do the wedding, you know, for the magazine, but yeah, I yeah. did I did the baby shoot. And that was something that I remember thinking, crikey, you know, is this kind of a route that I want to be going down? But it didn't do us any harm. It was fine. But I think there's certain things that aren't reversible. Yeah. And, you know, you can't take them back. And once you, you know, I've, ne- I've always been one of them kind of people that's kind of, I don't know, really <laughs> enjoyed the fact that the paps don't follow me everywhere. Yeah. Um, I love but having... And you're a good thinker. And I think any advice to people out there is that you need to be a good thinker because you need to think, like you said, there are some things that are irreversible. So you really need to think about that. But that's quite hard as a younger actor because I always think it's quite hard. It must be hard for Hollyoaks people and young people joining these big soaps without any experience um, because suddenly you are thrust into this limelight. Having the experience of knowing how to cope with it. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, I did some shoots earlier on that, I didn't know how that was going to look. I was so naive. You know, you're just putting these, like, kind of, well, I couldn't even call it clothing, to be honest. It was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, tiny shorts. And I think I look back on them now and I'm, I absolutely, like, just cringe because you just think, oh, God, why did I do that? I was so young. You don't think, you don't think ahead. No. You don't think of the repercussions sometimes. You're just starting out and, you know, I, I found that I was quite accommodating, really. I'd be like, yeah, go on then, we can do that. And, da, 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 da. and so then, but then the tricky thing is when you do start to have a little bit more assertiveness about you, that kind of bit me sometimes in the backside as well, because I remember this magazine, they really went to town on me. They were horrible about how I'd, uh, I was the last one standing at the party and apparently I was on the phone to my agent when I should have been uh answering their questions and I was absolutely heartbroken over it I was so mortified that they'd done that and you know I think Corey vowed for a long time to not not use that magazine um uh they did eventually but I think there was quite a lot of yeah well it's very Um, easy in our culture for the press to write what they want that's the thing and yeah you know, but it wasn't me. It. That wasn't me. You see, that no, was, exactly. was quite heartbreaking. It yeah. couldn't have been further from the truth. So that was sort of my my real sort of first taste of it. And I thought, oh no, do you know what I'm not up for? You this. Don't want that. No, because the public no. do. The public always do not necessarily believe it, but always I think the public always think, well, there's no smoke without fire when they read anything, um, even mm. though there can be totally nothing truthful in it. And I think it's just such a dangerous game unfortunately that we play do you know what I mean and we play it because people buy the magazines and stuff as well so we fit we we kind of almost you know fuel the fire but it, I think it's just it's a circle that's never going to end but like you said you just I suppose you get the confidence as an actor that mm. you can then control it more um and, yeah. as you get and older, I think I think overall I'm happy with it as long as I'm kind of known for my work yeah then then I'm not bothered 
as long as that's coming first. Yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's the advice to give anyone. You should always be in it for the work and not for thinking what that work can get you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you were, I mean, you did amazingly after you immediately got cast in the Royal and Heartbeat. Can you remember, oh, actually, I'm going to give you some shows. Can you remember who you played? Can you remember who you played in Heartbeat? Uh, that was a teacher called Wendy. Yes. We actually played this because yeah. you were on the ceremony special, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I yeah. did and stuff. It was Catherine who couldn't remember any of them, I think, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> the Royal. Do, do you remember who you played in the Royal? Yeah, so she was a girl guide called Geraldine. Gerald, I love that. A girl guide called <laughs> Geraldine. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Doctors? Oh, Anna. Anna, yeah, Anna Copping. Um, she's a law student. A law student. Oh, see, very... And then... Um, very versatile, aren't I? Very versatile. Yeah, very versatile. And then <laughs> Going Postal, which was a Terry oh. Pratt Sky drama. I mean, I love this, yeah. who you played. Princess. Princess, I mean, amazing. Yeah. Were you an that's so funny. That's, do you know that made me laugh? Because um, Claire Foy was in that, and she was. That was kind of when she was starting out. Oh wow! And uh, they put me in this like red wig. It was so beautiful, and they were like, "You look too nice." <laughs> so they, they put me in this like Ronald McDonald red fuzzy wig, and I was oh, like, no. crying. Anyway, they didn't go with that. They put me in the red. They put me in the long, and they like put it to the side, sort of thing. So it looked a bit. Um, so yeah, you know, actual like, princess, or were you just called princess? You were just called princess. Oh, right. I wasn't okay. a princess. Oh, no, okay. no, I was like, oh, far from it. I, I worked in like this clax tower in like, you know, muddy overalls. And oh, right. My cousin's boy got christened, and I didn't realize in this country that you share a christening in a church with a random party. Um, so oh. you like you can book on a weekend, but it can be shared, so you never know who it's going to be. And it was a big kind of like real my fat gypsy wedding family and they all came in those huge puppy dresses which was amazing they were amazing but yeah the daughter was called princess she was being (laughs) (laughs) and i'll never forget we were more interested in their christening than ours do i mean it was like oh my god theirs is amazing but that must have been good i mean terry pratchett's brilliant i mean so you've been in some great shows and also it must have been great i think i never got i was about to do heartbeat right and then they cancelled it ITV cancelled heartbeat I was like oh my god so my dream was always to do stuff set back in the time because it must be amazing to arrive on set on those shows and a you're in the costume but b everything's like been transformed yeah yeah I've been quite lucky actually doing period pieces because we'll we'll, we'll get here now you're just about to do you've just get whenever it's gonna be on screen coming soon probably you've been in call the midwife which again what a huge show yeah I know I know oh do you know what I think the excitement that was like buzzing around me when I first went on set, obviously under slightly crazy circumstances, being behind masks and stuff, but nonetheless, I was like, oh gosh. And I remember being sat in the green room and I just watched the Christmas episode, which was magical. I called the midwife with my mum on Christmas day. And uh, then I was sat with all these like amazing actresses like Linda Bassett, you know, and Jenny Agatha. And I was just like, oh God. Yeah, it, you never lose that. It's that no, excitement, oh. and that's the, that is why I'm in this job. That's why I yeah. think I'm built for it. Because you know, when you have those low times when kind of work's not on the horizon, but then all that gets washed away as soon as you get a job and you're on. You set know, that's the thing, isn't it? Cool. It can all come back because it's we're so lucky when we get to those jobs. And I always say that you know, when I'm on set, like say when I think I always remember from say my first day on EastEnders because I was doing the fire block and it was a night shoot and I had every cast member walking onto the square. I was like, oh my God, like Pam St. Clement and G. Brad, but 
then you just work with them. But if I'm so, if I'm in a social situation, I see a famous actor, I'm still excited because it's still, ex you know, it's an industry that still excites me so much. Like if I see a TV crew, and if it's local news, I get really excited. Yeah, I was like that. They were filming Vera and I was like, oh, I want to be on there. I was on <laughs> yeah. boots at the time, but I was like, <laughs> I saw all the Provision bands and you're like, hello. I know, hello. And the catering bus, which is so cold yeah. and horrible, but you're like, I want to be on the catering bus. That's why I never liked, or, I mean, I loved Corrie, but you hardly ever went on location, which I really missed from Emmerdale and stuff because mm -hmm. I love those catering buses and stuff. Yeah. Um, and obviously then you brought up theatre, you've done loads of theatre, you've been Rachel in um, Beemore Martin at Southwark Playhouse, okay. Lily um, in the Bengal Lily at Manchester Royal um, Exchange, which is one of my favourite theatres, I love that theatre. Um, and then obviously you were Lauren in the UK tour Kinky Boots, which I remember you being in and it was a long tour, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 15 months. Yeah, it was the UK and Ireland tour that. 15 months, yeah, that's tour. incredible, with a bit of time off, but... How did you find that? I mean, it's very different going around the entire country. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it came at a time when, you know, I was quite hungry for work. I was thinking about where, you know, what's going to be next. And Penny was about, she was, oh, was she two? She wasn't even two. You know, the, the, it feels like ages, you know, when you're not yeah. working and things. Yeah. And then when you actually look back, you're like, God, it really wasn't that long. Um, she wasn't even two. And I got the call to say that they were interested. And would I go down and watch the production and see if I wanted to audition for it? So off I went. And I didn't see it coming at all. I was like, okay, this is so different. And I'm not a trained singer. That's not my thing at all. Like, I really enjoy singing, but I haven't had lessons in it. So and I was like, Singing in a theatre okay, is a skill in itself, isn't it, obviously? Yeah, exactly. But they did get me. They did get me vocal training when, um, when, I, when I got the job. I had uh, vocal lessons with this lady in New York by a Zoom. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, uh, but Lauren in Kinky Boots is a really uh, quirky part. She's a comedy character and yeah. they really did want um, an actor, you know, that could sort of like play on that. So it didn't seem as daunting for me. And even the song, yeah, you know, of course you could belt that song out, but, but there was room for putting little character, you know, yeah. bits in there. And that's what I did. And uh, I met Cindy Lauper, and it was oh, amazing. Just, yeah, met Cindy. It was, it was. But I remember thinking, this is well, how have I ended up here? Like, I've, you know, of all the the jobs, but that's what makes it so wonderful, isn't it? It's all these little jigsaw pieces of of your career coming together, and and yeah, television and obviously has a great effect on theatre because obviously they do need bums on seats. So it's great to have a name in telly because it does give you so much more opportunities in theatre as well, doesn't it? Which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. But I mean, obviously, I you need skill, but um, you know, you need yeah. you need to be able to do it. But it gives you that um more leverage then to go into shows. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, obviously it, it does help. Um, it helped with um, like you're saying, getting getting people to go and watch it and things. But the character we, I, it did fit. It did suit me. I did feel that. You know, it was uh, it wasn't that far away from kind of. Me, I guess. Am yeah, I right in thinking Verity played, played that part as well? She did. Yeah. Yes, she did. Who she I know really West well West. as well. And actually, yeah, you're very similar um, yeah. actors. Yeah, I can see why yeah. you both get that part. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so I did that for um, 15 months on the road, which was, gosh, <laughs> yeah, it was challenging. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I've just 
threw myself into it and I packed my bag every couple of weeks and off I went and you know my heart would break I left my kids that was that was a real test but I could see ahead of it I knew what it was going to open up and we had an amazing Christmas in Edinburgh together you know there was nothing better than having the kids with me and then going doing the the, the show and then coming home to them yeah that was amazing and I'm sure they got to see some of the country you know they wouldn't necessarily have seen before so that's it. So, and I think now, I mean, the weird thing with lockdown, what it's done, I think it's going to be hard for any of us to envisage that kind of life again, because it'll be much harder leaving home because we've all been home so much. I know. I know there's just that kind of weird separation anxiety going on, isn't there? Yeah. Sort of, yeah, yeah we're all gagging to go out, but the idea of kind of me going away for a job to London for three months is like, oh my God, it will be really hard. I know, well, that was me. That was me when I went to go film for, for the, the midwife. And I remember feeling quite strange and I was like, I should be really excited about this. What's going on? And of course, there was this underlying anxiety there about leaving. Yeah, because our minds have been programmed into anxiety now. I mean, if I go out and someone even walks in my remit, you know, you're jumping to the side, which is so weird. But where did you, I mean, where did, is it true what they say that the audiences really do change around the country? Is it, is it quite a different atmosphere in some places? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some are way more vocal than others, definitely. Um, I think, like, was it Canterbury? They might have been quite a bit more, like, reserved. you know, reserved. And then we went up to, like, Glasgow and they were like, hey, easy, Tiger. You know, like, I've put my hand on his leg and you'd get... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do take on, yeah, different vibes. And it also depends on what day of the week it is. Like, if it's a Monday night, yeah. it can be a little bit quieter and then you get to the weekend and... And it's gorgeous. Tom, Tom Lister actually said it's obviously the Scottish are great audiences. That when he was doing Forty Second Street, he said they had a night once with loads of Scottish people, and it was like constantly shouting out to him. Oh no, it's when he did Clement Jane, I think, and he toured to thingy. But yeah, um, and what's it like? I mean, what? I mean, it's hard to say what because no one prefers either. But I mean, theatre, TV. Is it nice to have them both because they offer so different? Because I always think theatre. You did that for fifteen months. Which for me, yeah. like if I was directing something for 50, I mean, I can't can't imagine keeping it fresh for 15 months. Was it a challenge, you know, come month 14 and you're still playing the same part? Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I made some very, very good friends on that job. Um, and we really did carry each other through. Oh, that's good. Um, and you needed to have that. You know, you needed to have that sort of company, you know, around you so we'd, we'd do amazing things like we'd have company yoga and stuff like that just to keep us um connected, <laughs> really yeah and positive because it is difficult being away from home but yeah you're right it is I think I did 400 and oh, it was way up there let's call it 450 I'm sure it was more shows and you wow. think oh, I've done that but then you see something like magical happens like um there were these treadmills that we had as part of the show and they were in my number history of wrong guys and these tread honestly it's time to perfection with the shoes like they go down at a certain point they go into a box at a certain point you pick up a lid you have this line you it's yeah. so yeah regimented and the, it was times like if my shoes were late and I was like oh, oh my god <laughs> like, yeah, oh my god you know it doesn't take much and uh, you have to be like toes, oh, yeah yeah which makes it quite exciting actually but I've got to say, like TV, I just love—I love the intimacy of it. And just recently doing *Call the Midwife*, I love it when a director, you know, kind of understands you and understands what you can bring to it. But 
if they want a little bit more, it's the way that it's the approach. I really enjoy all that. I love. Yeah, the, I love the team. I mean, I love working factors. I love that magic of like all working together and making it better and better. Do you know what I mean? Which obviously we yeah. bring us to the last thing, which is the ceremony that we did, which obviously people can watch again online at Stream Theatre coming in April. I think it's coming on again. And Kath Tilsey wrote it, writing a full-length version, which we're going to try to put on the, in a theatre. But, um, I mean, that was just brilliant. We were only together for a couple of, well, I mean, we think, I think we probably had, Sue Johnson only had two rehearsals, I think, before we recorded it. But it was incredible, wasn't it? Because, again, that little, when you form a little company like that, I was devastated when it ended. Oh, we think we all were, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it just felt like we were on like a little school trip, didn't it, at the beginning? Like we were all there together in that room and it was all like we were just bursting with excitement to be working again, weren't we? And I think how weird for all of us, because A, it was my first play directing, which I found quite weird at the beginning, but loved it because I was like, oh, then it's done kind of thing. But also we're performing, in, I mean, we'll never have that experience again, probably of performing in an empty theatre to be recorded, to be streamed. Mm. So it's like we almost were a part of this thing together that was... Odd. I mean, was it? What was it like for you on stage, having no one? I mean, I know we were filming it, but it was it because you've done the you've done tours with packed audiences. Was it weird? Yeah, I mean, obviously we knew that we were having it filmed, like you just said, but there was a strange sort of feeling that you know it was quite sad that we didn't have that. It deserved to have that live audience, and the audience, you know, deserved to watch this like amazing show with this brilliant message. So although we were aware that people were going to be able to watch it, there is nothing like watching something live. No, totally. I mean, I, when when it, when it was streaming, I always made sure, like I knew some nights loads of friends and family watch it. So I made sure I watched it at the same time as them because it's that feeling of like you want to be feeling like you're watching it at the same time as the audience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was weird not. It's like yeah. a, it was a high when we were done, but it, we probably didn't have that high of like an audience giving us a standing ovation and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you kind of want to talk to people about it after as well. You want yeah. to be in the bar and like, say, so what did you think? And, you know, not to get all the glory, not that, but talk no, about it. No, but we never got, we ne what we never got a chance to do was for an audience to experience it and give us notes by their reactions. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, my one note for my friends, actually, which is totally my fault, the way I directed it, is that everyone was everyone was looking out the window straight on instead, like instead of looking down at the street. And I was like, oh fuck, yeah, I never, I never thought of that little detail because they were like, what were they looking at? And obviously, we were supposed to be at the top of the pub. Um, I think you did it when the spider went, but like when Sam was looking down. Anyway, it's totally my fault. But you go, oh, see, that's something that would have easily been corrected on night one when people went, oh, what do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, you get with the, that's the magic of theatre, but you can change things as it goes along. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's a work in progress, isn't it? Like you said, we had limited rehearsal. Yeah, so oh, next really good, yeah. Um, well, listen, it's been amazing to talk to you and to catch up and to reminisce about Corrie and everything else. And obviously, I hope we get to, well, we're, we're going to do the ceremony together and let's hope we do some more TV together as well. 100%, yeah, bring it um, on. But amazing to have you on and uh, take care and good luck. Thank you, darling, and happy yeah. birthday. Thanks very much again. Thank <laughs> you. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much to Paula Lane. And I have to say, actually, the other episode is with Dina Payne from Emmerdale. A lot of rhyming going on there. It wasn't uh, on purpose. It's accidental, but it kind of worked. So I kind of like that. Anyway, there are two episodes every week this season of Soap in the Box. So make sure you do listen to the other one. Viv Windsor herself from Emmerdale, Dina Payne, is back to talk to me on the podcast. So please listen to that. 
As usual, thanks to David Stevens and the Bothy for their edit and technical wizardry, and also to Ian McCallum for his press help. Catch up with me all week on social media at Soap from the Box on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Have a good one, and see you next Sunday. Bye.